one of them is Exodus 20 and the other one is in Deuteronomy 5. So let's just go through those because we're going to hit that real quick here. Beginning in verse 7 of Deuteronomy 5. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an idol or a likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the generations on on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse 11. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished, who takes his name in vain. Twelve, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. It is you, excuse me, in it you shall not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your ox, your donkey, or any of the cattle of your sojourner who stayed with you, so that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Verse 16, honor your father and your mother as the Lord uh, your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you in the land which the Lord uh, your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This was written and God gave it to the Jews and it is uh, a moral law. We've talked about this. Uh, Jesus went much further than that. Uh, in his teaching but uh, this is what we know is the Ten Commandments and it is a moral law that has stood the test of time now let's go to Matthew 19 we've all heard this this many sermons on this uh, what we've come to know is a rich young ruler uh, some people say this is a parable but but I don't think it's a parable because uh, Jesus said this man came to him. And we're going to read this and then we'll come back and comment on it. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good things shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good, but if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. 
And he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not, excuse me, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You not, shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourselves. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give them to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. And when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much prop, uh, property. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. When his disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So rather than a Pharisee or a scribe coming to Jesus and posing hypothetical questions in order to trick him, this young man came to Jesus with a sincere question. And, and it's in the, the times that they were there in living under the circumstances that they lived in, he was concerned about eternal life. And he said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? Now, on this side of the cross, we know that's not possible. You know, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't earn salvation by working for it. In the, in the thing that Jesus was in at this time, the system of, of worship and what the Pharisees had all set out you do these rules, you do these rules, and, and you'll be in pretty good shape. But this man knew that he was, he was missing something. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And as always, Jesus kind of turns the tail here. He said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who is good but if you wish to enter into life keep the commandments so Jesus you know said what good thing shall I do you know Jesus said why are you talking about good you know and he says if you wish to enter into life keep the commandments verse 18 and this is where human nature hadn't changed one iota through the years. Then he said to him, which ones? You know, I mean, it's, it's, we, <laughs> we want to do, we want to get the job done. We want to do what's said, but we don't want to go overboard. You, you with me? You know? Uh, we just want to do what's what's necessary. <laughs> uh, which ones? You know, that's an indictment on us too. 
And then Jesus listed, uh, you shall not murder, that's the sixth commandment. You shall not commit adultery, that's the seventh commandment. You shall not steal, that's the eighth commandment. You shall not bear false witness, that's the ninth commandment. Honor your father and your mother, that's the fifth commandment. So he covers, he covers in this thing uh, five of the six commandments that are that have to do with uh, our relationship to each other. The first four, as we've just read, is relationship to God. You know, love the Lord, obey the Sabbath, uh, don't take my name in vain. The only one he didn't talk about was coveting. But, but he covers it <laughs> further down in the scripture here he said so which ones and Jesus listed these five and the young man said to him all these things I've kept what am I lacking so he was aware that there was something more to it than just keeping these things what am I lacking had a sincere question to Jesus and he came to him and he, he, he said to keep the commandments and love your neighbor as yourself as we've known Jesus himself said that's the highest commandment love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself and then Jesus tell in verse 21 he says if you wish to be complete Go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you shall have treasures in heaven and come follow me. Now we have tagged this scripture as the rich young ruler. We don't, he didn't say when he came to Jesus, I'm a rich young ruler. He didn't say that. But as he progressed and we, when we know the rest of the story, it fits that he he was a man of means. He he was he he had taken care of things. Verse twenty two. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. The story ends there with the rich young ruler. We don't know in scripture we've never been told if this ever changed if the man ever come to know the Lord if he ever uh, put aside his wealth for a better life uh, and it stopped right there but for the disciples it went much much further because in the eyes of everybody in that particular time, they had the idea, and as Pastor Bobby, as we've been going through the Old Testament, God's favor, you know, you obey him, you get God's favor. So if you were wealthy, if you had money, if you uh, were a success, you had God's favor. That's, that's what... Jewish thought is uh, today 
that's not necessarily true. You can be rich and not have God's favor. But in this particular case, the Jews always thought if you, uh, if you were rich, you had God's favor. And after all, that's what everybody was looking for. Everybody was, was wanting uh, money to, to have God's favor. Aren't we like that? I, I, I think if I could win the publisher's clearing house for $1,000 a day, I think that would probably take care of me, you know? <laughs> but but it's, it's, it's... Just a minute. <laughs> But anyway, the, the, the idea of success, even in this life, in where we are, is all boiled down into, into, uh, into money. I'm amused, all of you that are alumni of some higher institution get alumni's letter and asking for donations. You know, if you give enough, they'll name a building after you. And if if and and that's that means you're successful. And I've often thought to myself, there's a lot of people who alumni that are great people and have done a lot, but never get any recognition because they haven't given a lot of money. Uh, you understand? What are we talking? That, that's, that's how it is. So let's pick up the narrative here in verse um, uh, 23. Jesus said to his disciples, you know, he's finished with a rich young ruler. He's, he, we don't know what happened to the man. Uh, verse 23, and Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say unto you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Have you ever thought about uh, that verse because there's been a lot of controversial or a lot of discussion about that verse? Uh, verse 24. Have, have any of you ever heard something about that? Uh, this, you Google it and you get seven pages of stuff. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> the interpretation that seems to make more sense is this. The eye of a needle was indeed a narrow gateway into Jerusalem. Since camels were heavily loaded and goods with riders, they would need to be unloaded in order to pass through. Therefore, the analogy is that a rich man would have a similar unloading of his material possessions in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, and there are all kinds. Like I say, there's seven pages here of people's ideas on what it is, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, it 
I get amused at it. When I was in school, one of the masters, a devoted Christian, was giving this an explanation aspects to this Bible verse to Bible doubters like me. Well, I left him when he said he was a Bible doubter. Another one says that the word that's translated camel should, should maybe better translated C-A-M-E-L-L-A, which means rope. So you're trying to put rope through the eye of a needle. <clears throat> but the one that I love, it says, the Greek word for needle is the word for sewing needle. And he says, there's no such gate in Jerusalem uh, for a needle of an eye. It's not hard for me to believe that Jesus, who, if your Bible is in red, mine is, that Jesus said ex exactly this. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter kingdom of heaven. You know, why are we making a big fuss about that? Jesus said it's just impossible, and he gave this illustration for a camel to go through the eye of a sewing needle than it is for a rich man to go to heaven. Now, one of these writers is right, you know, when you're trusting in your riches, when you're trusting in your riches. Listen to what the disciples said in verse 25. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Who then can be saved? Because they grew up in the same society, realizing that, you know, if you, if you had wealth, you had God's favor, and so therefore uh, you were in good, good, good shape. And Jesus said in verse 26, And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We don't know how much time was between verse 26 and verse 27, but the disciples had this on their mind, and, and Peter went to him in verse 27, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say unto you, that you who have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or farms for my sake, will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. And chapter headings and verse markings are something that was done for us so we could keep going. But there's no break between the story here in verse 30 and what Jesus said in chapter 20 verse 1 and he said I want to show you and this is a parable and Jesus uh, a story our earthly story with a heavenly meaning 
he said, for his, in verse 30, for as many who are first will be last and the last first. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent him into the vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said, and he said uh, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. And so he went. Again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing idle all day? Verse 7, because no one hired us. He said, go into my vineyard. Then when evening came, verse 8, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages beginning with the last group first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. When those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, these last men have only worked one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. But he answered it and said unto them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. But if I wish to give the last man the same as you, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am so generous? So the last shall be first and the first last. What Jesus is trying to tell the disciples here, that they will have their reward for being faithful. He, he told them, he says, if you've left anybody or done anything for me, he says, you will, be, uh, you will be rewarded. And on top of that, you'll inherit eternal life. Eternal life. And then he says, but many who are first will be last and the last first. And in verse 16, he says, so the last shall be first and the first last. <clears throat> so the scenario is here that at 6 o'clock in the morning, he went out to hire people. And they agreed, in this particular case, these first people he went to, they agreed on what they were going to be paid. He told them, he, he, you know, we have a contract here. You, you're going to work all day for me? I'll pay you a day's wages, a denarius. He said, okay, we'll go to work. That was at 6 o'clock. At 9 o'clock, he went out. He saw the same people standing around. And in verse 4, he said, Whatever is right, I will give you. And then at noon, at 3 o'clock, at 5 o'clock, he, he did the same thing to all of these. He, he didn't say anything but what is right, I'll give it to you. And then at 6 o'clock, verse 8, 
when evening came, that's a 12-hour day, the owner of the vineyard went out. And why? He told them, he says, pay them their wages beginning with the last group first. When he hired those at the 11th hour, each one received a denarius. And when the first ones were, were paid, they grumbled. Well, uh, there's been two times in my, in my <laughs> career uh, I've used this scripture. Um, I kept a Bible on my desk uh, at the two places I were employed in Greenville and in Gaffney. And I had, on two different occasions, I had an electrician come to me and were grumbling about what we paid him. And why did he grumble about him payment? Because a new hire had come in and I'd paid him more. Now, if you're if you're in the construction business, um, everybody knows what everybody makes. I mean, I, 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 it just that's just the way it is. And they'll jump ship for a quarter of an hour. I mean, if you pay one 25 cents more, they'll go somewhere else. So I had a guy come to me in the office and said, Mr. Bill, I, I'm... I'm much upset. I've worked here and so forth and so on. And I reached for my Bible and I got it out and I read him this scripture. I said, did we not agree and you signed a statement that you would come to work for so much an hour? Yes, sir. I said, case closed. Case closed. You know, if you, you're free to go if you want to, but, but uh, <clears throat> that's what we agreed to and that's what you're being paid. Uh, so, so the application here is that when we sign on with the Lord, you know, we, we're going to get a reward, but it's up to Jesus to tell us what it is. Uh, uh, Judith York is, is, uh, going to teach a book. Randy Alcorn uh, on heaven. It's a book that you need to have in your library. Uh, Davenport. Davenport. She's not here. Yeah, thank you, Judith Davenport. Anyway, Heaven by by Randy Alcorn is a book you need to have. And that the book is called Heaven. It's written by Randy Alcorn and. Judy Davenport is going to teach it at the Covenant University uh, in a few weeks when it starts. <clears throat> Let me read you what Randy said about this thing. All of us have some responsibility on which we serve God. Scripture teaches that our service for Him now on earth will be evaluated to help determine how we will serve Him on the new earth. The humble servant will be put in charge of much, whereas one who lords it over others in the present world will have power taken away. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. If we serve faithfully 
on the present earth, God will give us permanent management positions on a new earth. Whoever shall be trusted with very little shall be trusted with much. The owner has his eye on us, and if we prove faithful, he'll be pleased to entrust us with more. Brandy's whole premise of the book, he talks about the new earth. You know, um, that's when creation will be made again and we have a new earth. And there'll be jobs for us to do. I hope I have a power plant to manage or something. I don't know. Man. Anyway, but there's going to be, be something for us to do. But he, it, it's, it's going to be worth it. And he says, if you've left houses and lands and farms and everything else and you received, you received, uh, uh, you'll receive much, much more and you will inherit eternal life. So that's, that's a thing that we're very, very grateful for. Uh, he also says here at the end, he says, so the last shall be first and the first shall be last. When we started off in Matthew, uh, if you want to look right quick, Matthew 5, which was the, what we have known as the Beatitudes, we, we start out there that <clears throat> verse 3 with verse, uh, the Beatitudes, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for shall, they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you or persecute you or falsely say kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven will be great. For it's the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. <clears throat> when soon after Velt and I married um, you you were asked to participate in different things and there would be luncheons and somebody's going to bring this and somebody's going to bring that and somebody and I told Velt and, and it's <laughs> I says when we go into this, we're going in with an attitude that we're going to do it all. And if somebody else comes up with their part, that's fantastic. But you won't have expectations from somebody else if you if you do that. Just just you know, I go into this. I'm going to do it all. And if it if it uh, if it turns out different, that's great. Jesus is given us life eternal. Not that we deserve it, but because we believe 
in his finished work on the cross of Calvary and we have taken for ourselves his righteousness not our righteousness but we've taken his righteousness and that's how we can stand before a mighty God and says why do you need to come here to coin some of the jokes about getting into heaven I don't have anything to bring I'm I'm my big brother Jesus is going to take care of everything that I've got. And he's going to take care of us. <clears throat> and when we look at this life, uh, it's short. It's getting shorter. It, <laughs> it's getting shorter in some cases. And we've had a good life. And yet, James taught us when we went through James a few months ago that this life is but a vapor and we know that's true I don't know if I'm the only one that does this but I've got five funeral home apps on my phone and I sit there and go through them and I went through them last night and I saw where jacket passed away but it's amazing 40 years old 48 years old 52 years old 68 years old hey I'm I feel good to be 81 you know and and then there's 98s and the hundreds and so forth and so on but that's not very long but Jesus says I've given you eternal life, which is eternal. One of the illustrations I heard when I was in college, and it has stuck with me, he says, how long is eternity? If you had a sparrow that picked up a grain of sand on the East Coast and waited 10 years and flew all the way across the continent and dropped a grain of sand in the Pacific, waited 10 years and flew back, picked up another grain of sand and waited 10 years and then flew back and deposited it on the Pacific. He said when all the sand had gone from the East Coast to the West Coast, eternity would be just beginning. It's, it's, we can't, we can't fathom it. We want to know in our own heart what heaven's like. I've told you before, I've got the title of the book. I don't know that I'll ever write it. God's Best Kept Secret. He knows, and I promise you, it won't be anything if we even know. (laughs) If we even know when we get to heaven, it's just going to be so much greater and so much more and so much fuller and so much brighter. And Jesus is saying here, if riches gets in your way, if being a rich man and you can't handle your riches and it gets in the way of you following Jesus, you're in trouble. Another part of Scripture says, what would you give to gain the whole world? and lose your soul. 
It ain't worth it. So maybe the Lord hadn't blessed me with a publisher's clearinghouse because he wants me to be content where I am. And I think there's a lot there. Paul said, he said, I'm content. I'm happy with wherever I am. So this week, you've got a home in heaven waiting for you that's so much greater than you can ever think about. Ever think about. And all the strutting and straining we do on this earth, when the Lord calls us home, it'll be somebody else's problem, so don't worry about it. <laughs> it's hard for us sometimes to do that, you know. Gail, who had, uh, my sister, who had uh, visited with us several times, uh, 